Welcome to the podcast of the YIVO Institute for Jewish Research in New York, where we will be releasing historic audio from the archives. You are listening to the radio program that YIVO sponsored on WEVD in New York from 1963 till 1976. Every other week, we will be releasing a new episode in the order that they were originally broadcast. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes by searching for YIVO. Today's episode was originally heard on February 14, 1965. In this broadcast, we hear excerpts from the paper Dr. Svi M. Orlinsky gave at the 39th YIVO conference. His paper was entitled, The Philosophy of the New Jewish Translation of the Torah into English. His remarks are in English. At the end, a listener's question about the names of shtetls in Yiddish is answered. More information about YIVO's activities today can be found at YIVO.org. Heute haben wir das 34. Programm vom Jüdischen Wissenschaftlichen Institut Jibo auf der Radiostatie WVD. Wir werden heute wieder einmal übergeben ein Referat, was ist gehalten worden auf der 39. jährlichen Konferenz für Jibo, was ist vorgekommen in New York in den Tag vom 16. bis 20. Januar. Heute werden wir auf unser Programm haben dem Referat von Dr. Zwimem Orlinski, Professor von Tanach in Hebrew Union College, Jewish Institute of Religion. Professor Olinsky hat gerät über die feierliche Eröffnungssitzung von der Konferenz. Sein Thema ist gewesen, der philosophische Hintergrund von der neuen englischen Übersetzung von der Teure. Versteht sich als Moment der englischen Übersetzung verjeden, warum die Christen noch sehr eigene Übersetzungen, die Katholiken aber sondere und die Protestanten von der englisch redenden Welt haben die berühmte King James-Übersetzung, Heintum Session Euchanaie. Die frühere englische Übersetzung von der Teure ist heute im Jahr 1917 bei der Jewish Publication Society. Woche ist die Siebe, Frau wird beschlossen, herauszugeben, eine neue Übersetzung? Es ist eine Gewinn zwei Hauptsiebes. Eine ist das, was die Kenntnis von der alten jüdischen Geschichte und der antiken Geschichte beklaut, hat sich in den letzten Jahren stark ausgebreitet und klar geworden, auch dank neuer Ausgrabungen und neuer Gefinsen, wie ein Steger, die berühmte Megilles von Yamamelach. Und die zweite Sibel klärt euch Professor Alinsky sehr genau in sein Referat auf der Jüberkonferenz. Aber anstatt über das Erzählen, was er hat gesagt, wollen wir besser losreden, Professor Olitzken allein, was ist angegeben, der Vorsitzende von der Gruppe Gelernte, was um gemacht, die neue Übersetzung. Wir bringen da etliche rekordierte Fragmenten von Professor Olinskes Referat. Professor Olinske hat gerät Englisch. Already 2200 years ago, around 200 or so, before the Common Era, a very large Jewish community was living in Alexandria, Egypt. It was a community with all the differences, not unlike in many respects the Jewish community of this country. In one respect, they were both identical. They had both forgotten Hebrew. They found it difficult to read the Bible, which at that time consisted only of the Chumash, only of the five books of Moses, the other two divisions, the Nevi'im and Ketuvim had not yet come to be regarded as canonical, as sacred, as Kitve Kodesh, 
in the Jewish community of Alexandria, and so they needed a translation of the Hebrew Kamash in the language which uh, they knew. Even as English is the language that the overwhelming majority of Jews in this country recognize or at home in, so Greek was the language uh, that they all uh, knew in Alexandria. Or as a wag put it, Hebrew had become Greek to them. Now that is when the old Greek, the Septuagint translation, the Tilgrim Hashibim, was made. This is by far, not alone the oldest, this is by far the most important translation of the Bible that was ever made. It is very difficult for me uh, to foresee at any time in the future any translation that will be as basic as the Septuagint because it was precisely that translation made by Jews for Jews that determined the kind of Bible translation, that determined the philosophy of Bible translation that is still in force to this day, and we believe that we are the first to attempt to break with that 2,200-year-old uh, tradition. What was the philosophy of that Bible translation? Here is a Jewish community of several hundred thousand. Josephus tells us there were about a million. We don't know exactly the figures. I suppose if you had 150 or 200,000 Jews, it was an extraordinarily large community. It was a very sophisticated, very cosmopolitan community. There is relatively little doubt that Alexandria was the most cosmopolitan, the most sophisticated community in the entire Mediterranean area, perhaps the entire world at the time. And if that be so, you don't have to go very far to find the reasons for that uh, position. It was because of the large Jewish population that lived there. This very large Jewish community wanted the Bible in the language it understood. The language was Greek. What was the nature of this translation? word for word. This is literally word for word because you are not allowed to tamper with the literal word of God. And so if you were to turn it into English, let us say, here is how they began. Gracious in the beginning, bara he created, and then God, and then the heaven, and Hashemim at the hearts of the heaven and the earth. Now you can't say in English, in the beginning he created God. Who created God? You would have to say in English, in the beginning, God created, God being the subject. But, and that's what you would do ordinarily in Greek. But the Hebrew has an, a different grammar, a different word order, a different syntax. In Hebrew, as you know, the verb comes before the subject itself. It's included in the verb, but it appears before the subject. So that bara will precede the subject God. So in the beginning, this is what you have in Greek. He created, and then comes God, as in the Hebrew. It is grotesque Greek, but it's perfectly good Greek-Hebrew style. This philosophy of Bible translation remained intact without any change at all as Bible translations continue to be made all the way down to our own days. If at the other end of the Mediterranean world there lived a large enough Jewish community which spoke another language, Greek was not the vernacular, 
nor Hebrew, but Aramaic had become their vernacular. It had been in use already uh, from way back, 7th, 6th century uh, BCE. Uh, by the turn of the era, it was the language of the uh, Near East, except that it was coming to be replaced little by little by Greek. But it was the language of a Jewish, of a large Jewish community in Western Asia. So an Aramaic translation was made by them, which generally we have come to regard or to, uh, to recognize under the name of Targum Onkelos on the Chumash. Now the Targum Onkelos in Aramaic is literally word for word. You just, by heart, you don't have to know very much Aramaic. Uh, just take the Hebrew, and if you know enough Aramaic to turn the Hebrew words into Aramaic, that is precisely what you'll get. There's no interpretation there at all. Uh, there is no elegance in style. There's no translation. All you have to do is to take a dictionary and turn every Hebrew word into the corresponding Aramaic word. Here and there, it's true, you have some type of interpretation of form of the Midrash. Very, very little more than that, considering that a translation was being made. The same thing is to be found in numerous other translations made at the turn of the era, various Greek translations, the Latin, the famous Latin translation by St. Jerome, Hieronymus, is virtually that. The first one to make a Bible translation that has something in it of our idea today, generally what we mean by translation, was Sadegon about close to a thousand years ago. And he tells you very bluntly in his preface, he says, I am making a translation for the community, the Jewish community. They don't read Hebrew very well. Uh, they read Arabic. This is their language. And he says, and he was free. And you know how free he was? That sometimes he translated a Hebrew word by two Arabic words or two Hebrew words by one Arabic word. If he felt he had to add a word to explain something, he went ahead and added it. This is quite a revolutionary thing that he was doing. And he was explaining it and justifying it in the preface to his Arabic translation. And of course he had a very considerable authority about him because of his own personal status. Had he been just an ordinary uh, citizen, had he been uh, merely a, uh, uh, some uh, malamut someplace at the time, or as we call them now, professors, uh, they, uh, he would not, he would not have achieved uh, the translation in the manner that he did. But apart from that, translations continued, and not alone among Jews, but very specifically and especially in Christian circles, all the way down. Now, when, when we attempt to give the English version of today intelligibility. We don't care whether you like King James or not. That doesn't interest us. The fact is that people want a new translation, Protestants, Catholics, Jews, not only in the English language, but Norway and Italy and Poland and France and England and Germany. All these countries today in the last 30 years are making new Bible translations or major revisions of the old. Even Martin Luther's very brilliant German translation, all of it being revised because the old language no longer is intelligible to modern generations. Now, this is all that we attempted to do in our translation. We attempted merely to reproduce in as good an English, as literary an English as we could, the intent, the idiom 
the sense of the original Hebrew. We did not attempt to reproduce anything word for word, among other things also because in translating word for word, you mistranslate, you misinterpret, and you mislead the reader, and you don't know in how many hundreds of sentences in the Chumash alone the reader has been misled by the English translations, be it the 1917 JPS or the British Revised Version of uh, 1885 or the King James of 1611 or by the Septuagint even of 2,200 years ago. Because when you translate word for word and you don't give the idiom, you miss the entire point and sometimes very seriously uh, in the translation from what it should be in the original. Professor Olinsky geht weiter zwei Beispiele von der neuen Übersetzung. Yamsuf wird übersetzt nicht Retzi, noch sie auf Ritz, weil das meint er, ist der richtige Teich von Yamsuf. Der zweite Beispiel ist Bereishis Boro. Das meint er, ist der Teich nicht, dass in ohne wird Gott geschaffen. Nur wenn Gott hat beschaffen die Welt, hat er gesagt, ihr hier euch und also weiter. Das heißt, die zweite Sibbe verwusst es so zur gefühlte Nettigkeit zur Manai Übersetzung von der Teure. Alle bis jetztige Übersetzungen seien gewöhnt Wort bei Wort, was das hat, Leute, Meinung von Professor Olinske und anderen Experten, Themel vertunkelt dem ämmischen Sinnen von den Wörtern. Oder hat Poschet Gorem gewöhnt, Toessen in richtigen Verstehen die Teure. Die neue Übersetzung steht sich unter von der Besitzke mit dem, wo sie fleißig überzugeben, nicht bloß dem Teich von der Wörter, noch keinem Kohl dem Sinnen von Inhalt. Und euch, äußern die Toessen, wo seine Herausgekommen von der Friedrichke Wort bei Wort übersetzen geht. Hoschwe Freund, jetzt gehen wir rüber zu unserem Hauptteil Scheibes und Schuhes. Freund Josef Aronson von Brooklyn, Geht uns über, als er Arbeit auf Zugeräten an Atlas von der Chorf gewordenen jüdischen Kehilles in Misrach-Europa. Er hat schon angeklimmt an der 2001. Bettens Freund Aronson, er erkennt mir im Umweisen mit Keurim, wo er kann gefinden, die jüdischen Namen von der Chorf gewordenen Städte und Städtlich. Ja, wir kennen Umweisen auf etliche mit Keurim. In jeder Journal jüdische Sprache, in Nummer von Juli 1942, ist vorhanden ein Artikel von Jud Hart mit der hübschen Regime von jüdischen Namen von Städtlich in Polen. In demselben Journal, in Nummer von Mai 1944, ist vorhanden ein Artikel von Leib Samet mit jüdischen Namen von Städt und Städtlich in Litte. Gora Größermocker ist das Buch von den Projekten von der Huben Dokumentation beim Jivo, Unternommen Bibliographie von jüdischen Büchern wegen Chuben und Gwure von Josef Gar und Dr. Philipp Friedmann, was ist der 1962. Dort wird er gefunden, über 1000 jüdische Namen von Städten und Städtlach in Misrach, Europa. Euch, ihr vermocht nicht die Dose, die kennt ihr sie kriegen in der Jüber-Bibliothek oder ihr könnt sie gar kaufen. Ich will noch einmal damonen. Als jeder Rinner, was mir entfernt auf sein, an Umfrag, bekommt am Atone, ein Buch. Frage es, kann ich schicken oder auf eine Adresse von Ivo, 1048 5th Avenue, New York, oder auf eine Adresse von der Radiostatie WVD, 
117 West, 46. Gas, New York. Er hat sich zu unserem Programm Komödie Sonntag in der selben Zeit. Das ist Chef Tulsak vom Jüdischen Wissenschaftlichen Institut JIVO in New York. A guten Tag.